into my last medium. Um, basically, yeah, this is all about you. If a story comes to mind, share it. Don't, you know, mm -hmm. just just speak whatever you want. If, if you want to take the conversation in a different direction, we'll go that way. I'm just going to ask questions, and it'll go wherever it goes. But we're going to start with how we know each other. So how do we know each other? Well, that is a good question, because I don't remember the first time we met. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely church-related. I met you at the soccer field, and it was the night, that FHE night, when there was the, the soccer match between all of the wards. Mm -hmm. Is yeah, that the first yeah. time I met you, I think? That wasn't the first time we met. That was the first time we Talked. properly met and mm -hmm. actually had a full conversation. That's right. I remember I saw you the first time in Institute. Oh, and you were right. you were there and I was like, oh, somebody I don't know. And I, th yeah. I think I introduced myself to you. I think. Maybe. But it would have been very vague. would have been, hi, I'm Alex. Oh, I'm Nancy. Like, that's it. We didn't talk. But then... Okay at the soccer field, that's when I would say we met. Yeah. You know, that's when it's officially okay. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah, everyone has an issue with, well, everyone always apologizes for not remembering people's names. Oh, but yeah. we, no, none of us ever remember anyone's name no, when we no, first meet them. I, yeah. I always forget, always, always, always. And I had one friend who, she, she didn't like me at first because I forgot her name three times. And I didn't, I didn't even <laughs> recognize her, though. Yeah. I just said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I've never met you before, never seen you in my life. And she's thinking, we've met three times. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no. But now we remember each other's names. Mm -hmm. It's Sharon, right? Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's very close to Nancy. I mean, it had an A. That's true. And another vowel. And an N. And five, la five letters. Mm -hmm. So, basically... No, Sharon has six. I was, gonna, I was just thinking about it. You yeah, saw me roll my eyes. You should spell Nancy with an I-E instead, instead of a Y. You could. Maybe. Mm -hmm. could you? Do you think that'd be... Okay? People do. People do? Yeah. I've never met one. No, I haven't either, but yeah. I heard people do. Well, uh, so we'll start from there. And we'll start from when you got your name, I'm assuming when you were born. Mm -hmm. So what was that experience like for you? Well, obviously I remember it really well because mm -hmm. I came out... And yeah. then they called me Nancy yeah. and I was zero minutes old. And so yeah. that's a very, very, very vivid memory in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm sure it was wonderful. My parents told me that I came out with my eyes wide open and I was looking around everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, mom had wanted a girl with brown eyes and brown hair and that's what came out. Yeah. So she was very happy about that. She was a happy lady. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty wide eye open from the point I was born, I think. Um, still am in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And where, where were you born? In St. John's, Newfoundland. Okay. Yeah. I was, my parents were living in Marystown, but there wasn't a good up guy in there at the time. Okay. So they drove into the city, yeah. just three and a half hours away, um, and had me at the Grace Hospital there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So how, how big of a place is Marystown, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so Marystown's in Newfoundland. It's um, it would range anywhere from maybe forty five hundred to six thousand, depending on work that was there at the time. Okay. So when there was more work, because um, a lot of people in Newfoundland are very trade based, yeah. so it depends where contracts go. So when the work was happening, then there would be a higher population per se. Yeah. But then when the work decreased, it would go down. But I'd say like five thousand, fifty five hundred. Yeah. Would be like the average population there. Yeah. And what yeah. was the work usually like? What was it related to? So, well, funny enough, because I was talking to Robbie, like maybe it was last week, mm -hmm. right before the FHE, and because um, he was talking about the Husky, um, well, Husky is, um, I mean, a big corporation that works with oil and gas, mm -hmm. and uh, they do a lot of projects out east too for all the oil that's offshore. But in Marystown, so the White Rose project is what they actually work on and coordinate. Okay. The first time the White Rose was worked on in Canada, I believe, but maybe don't quote me on that, was in Marystown, Newfoundland. So that's where they do a lot of the topside work. So the gravity work and base structure of the vessel is done in Bay Bulls, Newfoundland. And then they do the topside modules, like the, um, I don't know how to describe it, but... Um, for all the structures that would go on the top of the more the platform of the ship and a float. So an FPSO 
is different from an oil rig because it's a floating platform as opposed to connect it okay. to the ocean base. Really? Huh. Yeah, so it's different that way. Um, but so it can move around and stuff easier? Then? Yeah, it can. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not engineer-based, so I don't know all of the, the little, I guess, all the details about it. But it, it's interesting. But in our town, like, it was big because it was this big structure that was coming in. More tier bay is super deep. So we were ideal. And, and it's pretty sheltered. So we were ideal for a lot of oil rigs or FPSOs to come in. Um, and then they could be worked on. It's called the Cowhead Site. Um, yeah, so it would be that we were talking about that because it was interesting because that's something it would be known for mm-hmm. um, in the oil and gas industry world. But nobody else would know where yeah. Marystown is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so that would be one type of work that's there. Yeah. And then there, there it used to be Newfoundland used to be fishery based, but the fishery collapsed. Um, I don't, I don't know how many years ago. I mean, that's been collapsed for years. So that's when everyone moved into the trade, such as piping design or uh, pipe fitting or um, different types of drafting and architecture. Uh, my brother is a pipe fitter. Uh, not a pipe fitter, sorry. My brother did marine system design. He's a he was a he was a was a piping designer for offshore or oil vessels. Okay. Um, and he doesn't work in that specifically now, but still related to that. But he's working in Nova Scotia. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's very trade based. It out is there, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so being from Newfoundland, mm-hmm. you ha- I hear a little bit of an accent. Yeah. Do you have when you go back home? Do you have a, like a thick? I do. I have a, um, I guess, a lesser accent than my brothers do for some reason. Okay. I've moved around a little bit too, yeah. um, and I don't know if that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But and I think being on the mainland, you, you, you talk slower sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, just because it's easier. You don't have to repeat things as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the medical field, if you have to teach patients different things. Yeah, and, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Speak very clearly. It's just easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because otherwise you're repeating yourself. And I mean, they enjoy the accent, but it just takes up time. So you end up modifying for them. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Do you want to give us a sample of of like what you can say? Well, it's just how we talk in general. So um, if I were to say, um, what are you going at tonight? Where am I going? Or what are you doing? Would be oh, yeah. What, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd say like, what are you going at tonight? Um, or if you and if you said I'm going to I don't know maybe you're like I'm going for pizza and I'd be like where's that to? Really? Yeah. It's just kind of a different. Different. We use different words at the end of sentences. Sometimes we add into words. So, um, or we make sentences longer than what they need to be. Um, or I don't know if you would know like just different things we say are different and it's hard to pinpoint. Like a common one they say on TV is like "stay where you till it comes where you're at," um, and which, which means just stay there. I'll be there in a minute. Okay. Would be to simply yeah, no, I didn't get that no you wouldn't get yeah. that at all, uh, or just in general conversation. You, we would just say like a lot of people. A lot of people talk about yes by because, and I still do say yes by a lot. But yes by can be used for. Um, it can be used if you're excited. So maybe maybe something happened that was exciting and you're like, yes, bye. And then, or maybe someone is being rude mm-hmm. and they say something and you're like, yes, bye. As in, you know, like, what are you saying that for? Yeah. Or you're doing, I don't know. It could be, it could be a number of different things or it could be something like you're surprised. Someone says something and you're surprised. You're like, yes, bye. You know, so it's yeah. just used as an all around word. Yeah. Yeah. Or look at the buys over there. Like if there were a bunch of people doing something, it's like, oh, there's the bias. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. funny. And there's right. a lot more, but it's hard to, yeah. unless you're in a conversation, it's hard to just pick, pull out like random things. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. That's really funny. Cause I mean, you know, they're, they're stereotypical accents for the, you know, the people on TV when they imitate a Canadian yeah. that they'll, that they'll do. Yeah. Right? But so so few Canadians sound like that and there are different accents mm-hmm. and stuff depending where you're from because so big there's just tons of different ways of speaking yeah right here and so you grew up in Newfoundland mm-hmm. uh, did you live in Marystown for most of that yeah until I graduated high school okay. so yeah 2006 and then and then I went to do my undergrad in St. John's 
And I went back to Marystown for one summer to work, but then I just didn't go back after that to okay. work at all, and more so just visited after. And what did you do in school in St. John's? Um, so I did two and a half years of mechanical engineering. Really? Didn't like that. Well, I didn't want to work in it. I actually really do like math physics a lot. Uh, but I just didn't want to work in that profession. I wanted to work with people. It's more so like your, um, sometimes in high school, like your teachers kind of guide you towards that pro a certain profession. And at that time, they were really pushing for women to get into engineering and yeah. more of those types of sciences. Yeah. Uh, so there was a push for that if you, if you did well in physics and math or chemistry or anything. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to work with people, so I quit. And then just worked at retail for a year, and then I went back and did my kines degree in two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Is two and a half years like a normal time to do kinesiology? No. So I went. I just went straight through my summers. Okay. Um, at that point, and I used my engineering courses as electives for. Oh, so sorry. then I would just I just crammed it, but I just yeah. didn't want to. But then I wanted to do physio, yeah. which is like the master's program. So I needed. I not that I needed to. I just didn't want to be in school forever. I figured seven years was enough. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. So you did kinesiology in St. John's. Yes. And that was two and a half years. And then did you go on for master's program? Yeah. Okay. So for physio, you have to do a master's to work okay. in it. And then after you finish it, though, you do have to do your national exams before you can actually work as a physio. Okay. Um, so that's like an added thing, but I just went to Ontario for that. Okay. Where yeah. Uh, Kingston, Queens. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how was that experience? It was good. Yeah. It was a good, it's a, yeah, it's a good university town. I didn't want to go to Toronto mm -hmm. to work. Like Toronto wasn't the scene I wanted to go into. That's, that's too big of a city for me. Yeah. Um, too industrial maybe. And then besides there, I mean, there's different places like Alberta has a physio school. Newfoundland doesn't, uh, yeah. Nova Scotia does, but I had spent a lot of time there. Yeah. So I um, didn't want to, yeah, I just wanted to explore somewhere new. So I went to Kingston. But it's really, it's like this really old, uh, it's the oldest city in Canada. Kingston? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, of when Canada was formed. It was the yeah. first, I guess, city. Uh, so it's interesting that way because it has a lot of heritage. Mm. And But now it's a very army university-based town. So in the summer... Um, it's pretty empty it's compared to what it is, of course, in the, in the fall and the, yeah. and the spring. Um, and the buildings are really old. So in the university, they still have a lot of the castle style buildings, really? which is really, yeah, which is yeah. really fun. So there was one library, it's called the Douglas library and it's the only one I wanted to study in. And it's, I think it was the engineering library, but I'd go upstairs and there's just like high ceilings, big stained glass windows. And it was lined with encyclopedias like around the perimeter and then it was these big round tables with just big chairs around them for most of it and then they had a couple of cubicles on either side but it was just the best library you could ever it was like being in harry potter yeah and is it that atmosphere that drew you to it that that's why you wanted to study there it was it was kind of um i don't think it, i didn't because i didn't know about that before i went there i knew mm -hmm. it was old style um old, old style buildings there and there was a lot of old castle-like structures in the area and forts, but it was more, the physio program there was very good. So it was my top pick of the physio programs as well. Um, it's just where I, it's just where I really wanted to go. I felt like I would fit there with the way they had the program laid out and what they focused on. Mm -hmm. So I think it was more so that, but combined with its location. Um, because, cause again, like I could have went, I mean, no matter where you go, no matter where you go to become what you want to be, you're going to you're going to be that thing when you're done school. It mm -hmm. like really, I mean, it doesn't matter. Sometimes to an extent it can matter what rating a university has, yeah. but in the end it really doesn't because you finish, you start work, you get experience and that's when you become what you want to be. Yeah. So it was more so for me finding a school that I felt like the program layout fit my lifestyle and schedule because all of them are a little bit different. Yeah. 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 And so so you went out, had you, had you really been out of Newfoundland much uh, before going off to school there? I had traveled because I, I had been to, um, so I, I was, yeah, I had been to a few places. So I had been to, oh my goodness. So I'd been to Grenada um, okay. at one point and I went there actually for just a pre, I used to want to be a veterinarian, hmm. uh, but I, I can't, like I can't bring myself, to, it's too sad for a lot of things that come in. I just yeah. couldn't bring myself to do it. 
Um, so I went to like, it was like a pre-vet camp there that I did. Um, I had been to England um, and Paris. I had done a week and a half and I had been, so in around England area, I guess I had been to London, Oxford, Stratford, those places just as a visit. Um, I had been to South Africa, so I competed in kickboxing there. I had two fights. So I did that the summer before I left. Yeah. And then where else had I been at that point? I had been to San Diego, San Diego, New Orleans, and, um, and somewhere else in the U.S. I can't remember. Yeah, San Diego, New Orleans, and Texas. So you had been around a little bit. A little bit You've before. Done some oh yeah, I, stuff. yeah. I had done traveling, but yeah, I hadn't lived outside the province. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And you said you did kickboxing. Yeah, and I, I did that in my undergrad, so it was amateur. Um, okay. A really fun sport. It's yeah. really fun. Uh, so I did that for a few years. It's fun okay. to compete in. Yeah. I got to go to South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we competed in Cape Town and Pretoria. So in Pretoria, it was outside there. It was, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And then in uh, Cape Town, we competed in a mall that they had there. Yeah. But we stayed in Cape Town was really nice. We were hosted by this family and we just had, they call them brides, but we had just had, it was basically a big barbecue meal with them every single night and their families and their kids. Like I still have their kids on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, so it was just, I liked, the Cape Tanner was nice for that experience because it was really cultural and really friendly um, and just really nice. And less, the first place we were in had a lot of racism, Yeah, I think, and that was a bit of a downturn for us as far as experience-wise goes, yeah. but it wasn't like that with the family we were with in Cape Town. They were, okay, they were yeah, friendly. really good people, and we, yeah. and it was more, it, it was more about it was more culturally sound in a way yeah. and just, just a nicer experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then the other places you listed, New Orleans, San Diego and Texas, mm-hmm. what, what took you to those? So I was at my, at my university's robotics team. So really? yeah. Okay so, <laughs> okay. so was this while you were doing mechanical engineering? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So you were on the robotics team. Was this around the, were you on the kickboxing team at the same time? I think I had started. I think I had started kickboxing, but I hadn't competed at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you're doing kickboxing, mechanical engineering. You're part of the robotics club. Yes. And then you later went on to do kinesiology. Yes. And uh, and physio. So, what was being on the robotics? It was really fun. Team, like, yeah. Super fun. And it was underwater robotics piloting. So that's okay. so that's really that's bigger back home for so for offshore exploration, mm-hmm. they need underwater yeah, robots. Yeah. So there's I mean my little brother's girlfriend did ROV piloting as a trade. Okay. And she's not working in it now because at this point, like where the oil industry is also on a downturn. Yeah. And um, what does ROV stand for? Uh, remote operated vehicle. Okay. So it'd be underwater ROV. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so it was really fun. Yeah. You're basically given a task. It's international competitions. We won in San Diego. Really? Yeah, we did. So that's why, and then that's why we went to New Orleans and Texas the next year. Cause yeah. they, then we were invited and, and they you paid for, yourself. yeah. And they paid for a conference to go to in New Orleans, yeah, like, which was interesting. Um, but it was fun. Like, and I, I do enjoy, like, I, I actually do enjoy robotics and just more so the mechanical side of it. Cause I do like math and physics. Mm-hmm. So I like that hands-on aspect. But it's just a big team of people. Like not everybody, um, not everybody is engineer based in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the like the I think a, a little while later they went to Hawaii for a competition, which is super amazing. I w- I had been working two jobs at the time, so I just couldn't commit to it. So that's why that's why I kind of stopped because then life got hectic. I had to drop certain things mm-hmm. um, at that time. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. Now we went to we built this robot that went on that was underwater and so we had our guy who was piloting it but then leading up to that you got people who were working on the programming or people that are working on the mechanical aspect of it and putting it together but then there's also you have to do presentations at these competitions as well so there was people that were good at presenting and um so it's a real big big ordeal it's a big project yeah 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 Yeah. and and you have to call on multiple different facets and skills and yeah yeah so it's really interesting and it's and that's fun I mean you and you get to travel with it and um you get to compete and just meet people from different countries that is so yeah. cool yeah. But, yeah yeah so how how big was the robotics team maybe 
I want to say 12 to 15 people. Yeah. Yeah. And so you guys designed and built a robot. What what mm-hmm. did the robot have to do? What did it have to accomplish? So ours had to, and it, well, and it's what is done in the fastest amount of time as well. Um, so it was, it's a makeshift thing, what they do. And it was in the, they do it usually in a large swimming pool mm-hmm. area. Um, but ours had to go down, um, it had to go into a cave and collect, uh, water or not water, collect the lava samples, samples, and then put them in a basket. You had to bring them back to the surface. Um, and you had to get the temperature of the air in the back aspect of the cave while you were there as well. Mm-hmm. And then go back up. Really? Yeah. It's so interesting. So you have to collect all this data and stuff and bring it together. And yeah. And actually get the actual data. Yeah. Yeah. And pick, like pick up the objects and put them into whatever you guys decided. Yeah. And do it efficiently. Yeah. Fast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat. And how long you were on that for the two years that you were doing mechanical? I think I didn't get into it till my second year. Okay. Um, and then I tried to stay, I did actually try to stay in it after, but it just didn't work with my, where I, where then I had to work a bit more. Um, I always had to work when they had, they meet to actually make the robot mm-hmm. or do meetings for it. So I just couldn't make anything for it yeah. and I couldn't commit. That is so cool though. Yeah. That's really neat. It was fun. Yeah. And so then, uh, what, what other sort of extracurricular things have you done? Um, in high school, so if I go back to when I was younger, yeah. so I was, I played in pretty much every sport that was available in Marystown. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, we don't really have, we don't have any football teams in Newfoundland. There is one rugby team in the city. Okay. Uh, so we don't really have those sports, but we have like basketball, soccer. Um, I mean, our swimming pool was only open for two to three months in the summer. So there was a swim team. I, I used to, I used to swim, but I actually never got involved competitively with swimming. Um, although some people did, um, and I did, I mean, I played a little bit of everything. So volleyball, anything that had to do with a ball, um, yeah. I can play squash, I can play tennis, uh, all those sports. And then when I went to university, I still played a bit of rec soccer for a bit, but then I got into kickboxing and did that. I did a bit of boxing when I was in Ontario because mm-hmm. that gym was closer, but then we were gone every six, every six weeks we were rotating for different, um, work terms so we traveled so I was in North Bay at one point and then I was in little town so uh, you couldn't really keep up with it and then I got into rock climbing more and climbing outside and I've always been a hiker so that kind of carried over so really my biggest thing is like hiking backpacking and rock climbing at this point in my life like those are my favorite things I started surfing a few years ago but the last time I surfed was in December so and of course there's no waves here no. So I can't, Welcome to I can't surf here, but yeah. I can travel to BC at some point. I was actually looking at flights yesterday to Victoria so I could, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. I was like, when can I go in the fall and just go for a few days? Yeah. And I was thinking maybe Thanksgiving weekend, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. 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 So what, what draws you to these, to these things, to participating in these extracurricular things especially especially obviously sports is a Mm. huge one for you what draws you to that um I think initially I was drawn to the competitiveness of certain sports and they're fun I mean a lot of them I mean you're engaging with people there's um it's it's a fun activity to do and maybe I'm just my 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 mind and body are just made for those sorts of activities mm-hmm. more so than others. I mean, and now when I was in high school, like I was co-chair of the student council. I was in drama. I was like, I was, I was pretty involved in a lot of things um, while I was in school. But I think, yeah, my active lifestyle is more pronounced than some of the, than most of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, more so that in the beginning, but then it became more individualized activities. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do like going with people, I prefer to do outdoors activities. I always have, but they were sometimes I think in the beginning I was, I didn't never want to go by myself. Yeah. So then I realized you can go by yourself and you don't need to be scared of things in the woods because they're not going to eat you. Yeah. Well, ideally not, but ideally, ideally not. not, but there really, there's not a lot to be scared of. I'm more scared to walk through the city parks at night than I would be to go camping overnight alone. 
really? in the woods. Yeah, like 100%. I was, it happened a couple of weeks ago because actually Robert, he asked if I went for my run that morning and it was really dark. I think it was 5 a.m. and I was scared to go through the park. I was like, I, I, I was like, I had totally planned to go and I just got scared and I was like, I can't go through the park, but I'll do overnights by myself in the woods and really? I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. 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 You're I mean, I, I've seen your Instagram. You do some interesting uh, stuff and big hikes and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I like the peacefulness of it too is yeah. the big thing. And that's like, I think the best last, so does it, the last time I went surfing was the best time. So I went by myself and this is in Newfoundland. So it was December 10th. So you got your, like your wool socks inside your booties and on the record, I'm not a good surfer at all, but I try really hard, and that's all that matters. Um, and I'm not even consistently catching waves at this point, so I'll get them every now and then, but I'm still in that learning phase. But anyway, so I like paddle out by myself and like rocky shoreline, and you're like, I'm out here in the ocean by myself. This is great. Like not a soul, not a car driving by, yeah. not close to the road. I mean, there's some houses up on the hill yeah. across the way, but... There was nobody. So you really like that alone time in, in nature? Yeah, and I don't mind if someone else is there too, but I just like, because even when someone else is there, it's, it's very serene. It's just very peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, versus in the busyness of lots of things happening around you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is it like for you then living in a city? How, you know, is, is that hard for you or, mm. or do you still enjoy it because you can still get out? Yeah, and I think that's the big thing. I, I lucked out in a job where I work four days a week mm -hmm. uh, where I can still live comfortably. Um, and I get my three days, which are non-busy days in the mountains, mm -hmm. and I can just go. And And I think the fact that I, I'm willing to go by myself is a big thing. Like, if I wasn't willing to go alone, then I wouldn't get to because just, I only moved here a few months ago. Yeah. So I don't have... A group of people yet that would go on those days or able are able to go on those days yeah. um and, and, and that'll take some time to find because not everyone gets the days i get off off but um i'm able to get out of the city and here's not bad so i can go i can go through the park and not cross the road for an hour run yeah so i can get away or like the other park up the road it's yeah. it's it's easy calgary's a bit easy to get away from the the busy, busy city life. Yeah. If I had to drive like through the city every day, then that would be too much. Yeah. But right here, right now, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. definitely an adjustment period. Yeah. 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 For, for driving, I'm not used to. I mean, four lane highways or three lane highways. Yeah. That was new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so scared when I was first <laughs> driving here. A lot here. bigger road than you're used to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just busier roads. Yeah. 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 And so then. You're saying you go out pretty much every weekend then when you're off. You you get out to the mountains and what do you, what do you do while you're out there? Just hike around? Or? Mostly hike right now. Um, and not always not always massive hikes. Like I was out this morning um, and I really want there's there's one mountain I really just want to run the whole thing and it's it's not um, I, it's really steep so I feel like a section of it I'll always have to like more so power walk but I I just have it in my mind that I want to start running mountains more. So, but those would be easier ones. Um, but I also like to just, sometimes I'll just go down by one of the rivers and just lie down there and just let Mimi run, my dog run around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it depends on the week. Like some weeks I'll do a big hike where you have to scramble and, um, and do some of those more harder, I guess, type of traverses. But then I like doing a lot of the easier stuff too. It's just, it's just, it's just being outside. Mm -hmm. It's just nice. It's relaxing. Yeah. yeah. So it depends on the week. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I've heard, I've been told that you lived up north for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And and, uh, and that it was pretty pretty outside yeah. compared to what. When you first doing. said that, though, you heard I was like, "What is he going to say I, now?" You heard, <laughs> heard, heard like, "What?" what I, heard is... this rumor about you. I was like, "Uh oh." Uh, no, that's I, not a bad rumor. No. Yeah. Yeah. I know you. You are. You are one of. The, actually, probably the only person that I've had on my podcast who I had multiple people tell me, yeah, it sounds like she's lived a really interesting life. You should, mm. you should talk to her. Mm. And, uh, and now I have, I have a strict policy. You know, I only have people on my podcast who I've met. Right? Yes. That's the only requirement. Mm. I have to have met you. Yeah. Right. Or at least have some interaction with you. Yes. And, uh, and so 
I was very pleased when I had a first conversation with you. I thought, perfect. Now I can have her on the podcast. <laughs> and so, yeah, so t- tell me about this. You, what, the Yukon. What yes. What was uh, going down in the Yukon? Um, well, I had been working, I guess, for two and a half years as a physio at home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need, I, I always wanted to live somewhere else anyway. I just didn't know if I wanted to stay in Newfoundland. Um, and somebody mentioned that Whitehorse was a really fun outdoorsy place mm-hmm. to go. And that suited me. Yeah. So I was debating, I actually, cause I was debating moving, I was going to move West and I was like, BC, Alberta, but then someone mentioned Whitehorse and Yukon. So, and for some magical reason, there's a job opening as soon as I go on to our like physiotherapy association website yeah. so you in Whitehorse, Yukon. In and I had been working for two and a half years already okay, yeah, back yeah. in Newfoundland. Okay. Yeah. So I moved home after school and worked for two and a half years. And, um, then, yeah. So then I just wanted it to get away from there and there was a job opening up there. So I took it and I drove up there from Newfoundland with all, and I just took whatever would fit in my car. I didn't have a lot of things at that point anyway. So I was actually, so I was, I'm actually divorced. So I was, got divorced like five years ago. And then I, I had, I had not taken a lot of stuff from that and I had kept it very minimal. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't have a lot of stuff, which was nice. So it was just whatever would fit my car. Mm -hmm. And then I drove and then I lived, um, you drove from Newfoundland to Whitehorse. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a drive. Yeah. How long did that take? Uh, I did it in 12 days. Okay. So I did take breaks, took my time. Yeah. Um, I've done the cross-country drive this is three times now because I drove back when I moved back home. Okay. And then when I moved here, I drove here as well. Um, so if anyone needs driving tips, yeah, I can help with all your things. On the way here, so when I came here, I used my RAV. So I bought a new car. Okay. Yeah, I got rid of the old one. I had just had, So I just had like a little Corolla. Yeah, 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 and yeah. they're perfect. They last forever. I almost want to get another one. I drive a Corolla. I also go to downsize to one, actually. They're, they're just good cars. They go yeah. everywhere. I've taken that thing on, like, rough terrain. Yeah. Thrown canoes on the top of it. Really? Yeah, just, like, you can just go. What year was it? 2010. 2010. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mine's a 99, so it... No, that know, might not. It would be a bit harder. as much, but she's, yeah. still, she's still going. They, they go forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... So you drove all the way up to Whitehorse with yeah. all your stuff packed up in your Corolla. Yeah. And, and and you just saw the country along the way? Pretty much, yeah. So I took, I mean, I took breaks. Um, I had some places to stay along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like completely plan out my trip, but kind of. So I ended up going, on, so on the way up, because you can take different routes. You can go through the U.S., you can take 17 just above Superior when you go through Ontario, mm-hmm. or you can take 11, which is the higher north road. There was a big storm. The only big storm I hit on the way up was in Ontario. So they had shut down both those highways, I think. And then the next day, I decided to go 11, which is less scenic than going north of Superior, just ahead, above Superior, because 11 goes like north, north Ontario. Oh, okay. But uh, it's, uh, it's better weather-wise. So I took that. Um, I stayed in Red Rock, Ontario, which is close to Thunder Bay because my, my friend's parents live there. Okay. So that was interesting. It's a really small town, really cute. There's like yeah. n- really nice lakes. Northern yeah. Ontario is beautiful. Yeah. You need to, everyone needs to go there. Yeah. And everyone needs to go to the Yukon too, I think, because there, there's two places that people generally don't go that are just beautiful, beautiful places. Yeah. And yeah, and then I took my time. I, went, I even went to, there was a, there's a national park, Cypress Hills in Saskatchewan. Okay, yeah. Gorgeous, massive trees. It extends into Alberta. Okay. Is it, and that's in northern Saskatchewan? No, this is in like more like at the same level as Calgary south. Really? Yeah. Really? Beautiful. Yeah. You got to go off the highway, of course, to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, the drive is nice. I had initially wrote a blog entry. It's, I think it's somewhere on my computer because like, I used to have an online blog and I closed it. Um, but... It's, you hit a lot of no service zones in Northern Ontario. And once you go, so once you go North of Fort Nelson, you kind of run out of, um, gas stations, of course, as well. So there's, but there's lots of card locks. So you just have to like time your car. So the card locks are a lot of the transport trucks use them. I think, I don't really know, but anyway, they're just easy to use. They're actually cheaper gas. So I would use them ideally all the time. If I could come across them. Uh, so there are random card locks on the way up North. Um, so that was interesting too, because like you have no service, you don't know when the next 
gas station is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but after you, yeah, after you pass, I guess, Fort Nelson, then it gets, it gets a little sparse there, but it's beautiful. So then after Fort Nelson, you hit Muncho Lake. Muncho Lake is a beautiful mountain area and that's just past Toad River. And then you hit Liard Hot Springs, which I think are the best hot springs in Canada. Yeah. They're completely natural. Like there's no concrete at all around it. Yeah. Um, so there's a beautiful campground next to it. So where is that at? That's, uh, so it's, uh, it would be in the mountain pass that's north of Fort Nelson. Okay. Um, so that's more, that's on your way up to the Yukon. So you're already on the Alaskan Highway at that point. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. You, you hit the Alaskan Highway in Canada and then that goes through the Yukon. Um, yeah. And then I drove up and I had an apartment to stay in temporarily uh, for a couple of months when I first got there, which was nice. So me... And my dog came with me, of course. I had a, a different one than you just met. So uh, Roxy just died a year ago. Okay. But so um, she she took the ride up there. And then uh, I didn't get Mimi till I was in the Yukon. Okay. Yeah. So then I lived there. I started work. Um, there, it's a really good community. So, I mean, anybody, there's a big arts and music scene there too. You don't have to be just outdoorsy to live there. Mm-hmm. And when everyone, everyone gets scared about the cold winter months, and I mean, it's not ideal to be that cold, but there are potlucks with people every week. Like if, if you, you have to try hard to not have friends there. Really? If you don't want a friend, like I, I was living, cause then after that, cause then, well, I, I guess, you know, like I, I moved to um, a little cabin that was 40 minutes outside of Whitehorse and I had like no running water and I had like no, I had no um, really electric heat or anything. I was just using wood heat and I was just out there and I, I had to work hard to hermit sometimes because really? people always, you were 40 minutes outside yeah, because people want to do, th- like people are always, pe- somebody's always up for doing something yeah. and, and they, and it's great because you will always have something to do. And they'll come get you. They'll, or you, I mean, or you can go to them or yeah. maybe they're doing something that's closer to you and they'll let you know. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to not have friends, which is nice because you can hermit when you want and people are okay with that because they also hermit, but then there's always something to do if you want to do something. That's awesome. So the community there is incredible. So I had friends as soon as I moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fir- that first weekend, I think I posted in the Alpine Club that I wanted to climb. And there was a group of people rock climbing the next day. So I, and I met a bunch of people my first day. And easily, easily you can get into whatever community you want there, um, which is nice. Um, but for me, what drew me there, of course, was the outdoors because it is more serene and beautiful than anywhere else in Canada for sure. Um, it's very mountainous. You get just incredible rivers. Like I've canoed down some rivers up there. Kluwani National Park. Mm-hmm. That's a park to go to. That's my, that's my favorite park in Canada. Yeah. I would say. And that's up in Whitehorse. Yeah. So it's, well, it's north of Whitehorse. Okay. Um, it's going towards, there's a place called Haynes Junction. Uh, and that's between Haynes, Alaska and Whitehorse. Okay. So they call it Haynes Junction. Uh, and and it, that's kind of in the middle of the Kalani area, but just incredible, incredible mountains, incredible rivers. Um, like it, it just can't, you can't get more beautiful than up there. Yeah. I, well, I haven't seen yeah. more beautiful than up there. And I, and I, I love like, I'm, I mean, I love, um, here I love like Lougheed, uh, the Lougheed, yeah, that provincial park. That's my favorite park to go to. Um, and I spend more time in Kananaskis. Than I do. I like, I mean, Banff and Jasper are pretty too. They're very touristy now, of course, but also gorgeous mountains. But I just love the Peter Lougheed area. It's just the most beautiful place that's close to us right now. Uh, yeah, I would say. And that's, that's where I spend a lot of time, I think, on my days off. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the Yukon was just a, the perfect thing that I needed at that point in my life. And then, because then I, so I left my apartment and then I ended up house sitting. This family was going away for two months, them and t- their two kids, and they just needed someone to take care of their house. So I moved in there for two months. Nice. And then I found my cabin yeah. after that. And that was out in Mount Lauren, yeah. which was a, a beautiful area. So that's towards Skagway, Alaska. Okay. So when people visit, a lot of cruise ships come into Skagway. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big uh, stop for cruises, Alaskan cruises. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's only a two hour drive, two and a half hour drive from Whitehorse. Okay. Whereas Haynes, Alaska is a four hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both are very, very small towns. I've only been to them on the off seasons. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Haynes is more so known for its fishing, so they don't get as touristy, but Skagway gets super touristy in the summer with the cruise ships coming in. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but that's what people might know, like those locations in Alaska. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I moved into a cabin. <laughs> How did you find this cabin? Was it just somebody saying, hey, looking for a permit to fill this cabin, or was it somebody renting it? Or So it's normal up there to like live in cabins, or people move out of their apartments in the summer just to live in their tents or in the backs of their trucks because it's cheaper and it's just nice to live in campgrounds. So it's very normal. And I mean, throughout parts like a lot of BC too, it's, it's quite normal to have your own little live-in truck or just go live in your tent for the summer it's yeah. it's a transient community as well in a lot of ways so there are lots of permanent residents but there's a lot of people like me who float in and just to see well I like this and want to stay here yeah. um, not that I would never I would totally be up for moving there down the road yeah. and living there it's it's ideal they have good school systems and stuff as well um, and it's federally funded so it's good but um, no my friend had uh, a friend who had a cabin for rent she's a so um, my landlord of the cabin, she's a dog musher. Okay. And so my, my friend was really good friends with her. And she just had this little cabin, as a lot of people do, have little cabins on their, somewhere on their property yeah. where people can just live. So uh, then, yeah, I found out about it from her and went and I liked it. And I decided that I was going to stay in there. That's awesome. Yeah, but it was tough in the beginning because there was no there was no cell service and no internet when I first moved in. Yeah. So there was two months of like a, a harder transition period, just because I needed I needed internet for work. So in the beginning, I was driving back to town a lot at night to do work related things that I shouldn't normally have to do. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was just a little bit tough. And then of course I wasn't I wasn't used to not having any running water or and that wasn't actually running water was pretty easy. Um, cause I, I have my outhouse, uh, which is fine. And you just bring a lot of water. So you, I had like these two big jugs of water and I filled them up every one and a half weeks. And that would do me even when the cup, if I had, even if I had people over for food, like really? that, that was enough. And that was your cooking, your shower, your everything. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a shower, so I showered and this is also normal up there for people to do. So you just shower in town. Like there's, there's, there's uh, public showers. the building I worked in had a shower. So that was easy for me. Um, and then their, their gym. Um, I guess it's, it's called the Canada Game Center there for when oh, they had okay. the Canada Games they had built it yeah. and uh, that has lots of showers in it. I mean, there's there's always somewhere to shower. Oh, okay. so, and that's pretty common up there, right? Yeah, and or some of the communities will have like, you know, pay a dollar shower kind of thing yeah. in these just other areas where you can just go in. It's more of like a public shower area, but you just huh. put in a dollar, go shower. I mean, I just didn't shower on the weekends. Like, you just do like your yeah. bird bath. It's, that's yeah. all you need. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, but I'm really like a bird bath's enough depending on what you do. Of course I'd want to, if I was going out somewhere, I'd want to look nice. Yeah. Um, and then I could always go into town and shower at a friend's house if I needed to. But usually I just didn't. Like I just did my bird bath and I mean, wash my hair Monday. Yeah. And that's, that's just a bit easier to do. Uh, so it was a bit of transition that way. And I did have, so, and I wasn't as rough as some people because some people go into cabins that have absolutely no electricity no and no running water of course or anything so I did have I did have like a light bulb <laughs> one light bulb <laughs> it's, so it's 300 square foot cabin it had a light bulb and it had um like a it had an outlet so I could like charge my phone and stuff and then I had um like a stove and a, yeah. and a fridge and then for the winter I did have um because I'd be at work for eight hours so the thing was when you rent cabins obviously they're not the type of cabins you would permanently live in because they're rentals, so yeah. they're not as good. So my my cabin I don't think was chinked, which um, helps out with insulation. Okay. Um, I guess so. There was no it was and log cabins don't have insulation anyway, but wood heats up really well. But you do want them to be chinked so that all those tight spaces are closed off. Yeah. So that wasn't happening. My floor was just um, like a piece of plywood. So there was nothing underneath that. Really? Yeah. And then there was, I could see like through cracks, like I could see outside from certain, I could see the tin like through the roof boards as well. Really? And my wood stove wasn't, wasn't like high end wood stove by any means, I, but it was good enough to keep the cabin warm. So it was an interesting winter because we had three months of minus 40. So I ended up going through four bush cords of wood, which is um, a four foot width by four foot height by a um, eight foot length. Okay. Is that a bush cord up there is there's different terms in different provinces. Okay. Um, 
And so I went through four of those. So I ended up, I got two bush cords, me and my friend got two bush cords ourselves for me. And then I ended up buying two bush cords because I didn't know how much I was going to need. Yeah. So in the winter, every three hours, I had, a, I had a thing set at night. So I ended up having to get up every three hours to fill the wood stove to keep the cabin hot enough. Um, the other option was, so I did have um, oil to heat during the daytime. So I kept the cabin at five degrees when I was at work because I had a cat and a dog in, yeah. in the cabin. Yeah, so I, I did invest in that and pay for that, um, which was worth it obviously for them so they didn't die yeah. and that was a big help so some people don't have that at all but if you have the right wood stove you don't need that or if you have like an insulated cabin yeah. you also don't need that so it, it depends on your situation if you don't have animals you also don't need that you just yeah. have to thaw your cabin when you get home it's just so you get home to like a frozen cabin Holy cow. but that and i only did that a couple of times um, where i had to come home to a frozen cabin but the animals weren't in there at the time when that yeah. would happen uh, yeah, so it's like an, it's an interesting life, I guess. The, the, but the other side of it too is it, even when my wood stove was in full blast, so up to minus 20, it's very easy to keep your cabin warm. I yeah. found after minus 20 for me, it's, that's when I had to do my every three hour thing. So before minus 20, you didn't have to fill it that often. It, yeah. was, it would stay warm for much longer, no worries. Yeah. Below that, it was like feed me in the fire stove. And I had one foot layer at the, say from the floorboard up that would stay frozen. So like the dog water bowl would still freeze or anything close to my door would still freeze. So it was only that little section of the cabin that would stay really warm. Really? Yeah. But now the upper level, like the heat rises. So, I mean, you would stay warm up here, but there was that one foot section that was still cold. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, yeah, it was all... A great experience in that way. I loved it. I would totally live in a cabin, but I would have it chinked. I would have it insulate it. I would have it. I would have a good wood stove. Yeah. And it would be the ideal life. Yeah. Why do you think that'd be the ideal life? Because it's simple. Yeah. And simplicity is the key to life. Yeah. Honestly, and it was great. That that was another great thing about it. Like I was able to get rid of all of these things in my life. Not that I had a lot at the time, but there were. I mean, we we all collect objects or we all have noise or distractions in the back of our mind but my life became very simple like I didn't need a lot of I didn't need a lot of furniture I didn't need a lot of plates or knives or forks like I didn't need um, these extensive decorations to fill this big house I had 300 square feet that I could just make homey um, like I had my keyboard in there and I had my um, my little rocking chair and I had my bed and the kitchen table with some chairs and like, and that was it. And then I still, I never ever did have um, really cell service there. I could walk, I had to walk like a hundred feet or so to actually get cell service. Really? Yeah. And then I had, um, yeah, it was more than a hundred feet, I think. Cause my landlord had a booster in her apartment that would allow her for, to have some cell service. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it didn't extend as far as my cabin. Um, but if I did go to a certain point, I could get like a bar and I could send a text kind of thing. Yeah, but then she got internet, so that was exciting. So two months in, she was she asked if I would share internet with her, and I said yes, I will. (laughs) So that was great. But my life was like, I mean, you get up in the morning, you chop your wood, you because wood splitters don't work when it's frozen outside, Mm -hmm. so they don't generally unless you have a heated place to actually work them in. So I couldn't. People, I mean, that's an ideal situation: get a wood splitter. But if you don't have that, axes work great. Wood splits really good in, in minus 20 or below. It's, yeah. it's just like, just snaps apart. Just snaps apart. So you're like, you do that. I mean, you, you have like chores to do and you go to work, you get home and then you get your, well, I had animals, so I'd get them out and run them and I just go for skis. I could ski right from my front door and go to a lake. It was a 14 kilometer loop that it was completely quiet. Like you might, you might pass by a dog musher maybe yeah. at some point, maybe not. Yeah. But I mean, there's no, there's no real wildlife to worry about them. There's wolves up there, but they, wolves tend to stay pretty secretive. There's not, there's not many issues with wolves in the white horse area. Okay. Um, they, they usually stay pretty scarce from you. Like if they, they, they're probably watching you. You don't know they're there. Um, like I did see prints of one one night and I did turn around cause I was, I figured if they were that close to the lake, I don't want to be there. Yeah. And if it's just me and two dogs. Um, but, um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's, you don't need to worry about somebody. 
I don't know, in the city I worry about somebody hiding in a bush or being attacked or being mugged. Yeah. You know, you don't need to worry about those things. It's safer in the woods. So it's nicer. That's interesting. <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, I'm so scared of the city parks. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've, I've lived in the city my whole yeah. life. And I was thinking, oh, you know, if you go out into the woods, you better watch out. You know, be yeah. careful, right? And, and then I think, but walking around the city, I've walked around downtown Calgary in the middle of the night. Yeah. Just me alone, right? And... Um, and so it's just kind of a, an interesting mm-hmm. perspective scene, you know, and I can see why, why that yeah. makes sense. But it's what I'm used to as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes in this day still as a female in downtown areas. I do think, I do think. That plays into it. Gender gives me some protection when I'm wandering around. Downtown. In a way, not completely. Because you, yeah. you can still, I, I mean. can still get mugged. Yeah. I still have a wallet on me. Exactly. But I... Yeah, for, for me, I still feel scared in certain situations. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So, so you lived up there in a in a cabin. Loved alone it. With a, with, you had two dogs. Is that when you got? I got baby? Mimi. So Mimi was one of her retired um, sled dogs. So she's ten now. So she was eight then. Okay. And um, she just didn't want to pull anymore, and she didn't really like it inside. Uh, my landlord's house because my landlord does take dogs inside as well when they retire but she just didn't enjoy it in there so she wanted her to go to a good home and she decided I could have her which was wonderful that's awesome yeah so then I adopted her and it's been great and she is you said an Alaskan husky yeah that would be her breed so the a lot the sled dogs so Alaskan huskies and Yukon huskies which are their sled dogs for racing Mm -hmm. um they're not recognized kennel club breeds but that's their actual breed oh they're called Alaskan Huskies and because they're a bit of a mix like they all are to make that fast sled yeah. dog yeah. yeah and then and then your other dog what kind of dog was she she was a black lab mix so she was a she was a rescue so I don't really know the exact the mix exact but mix. she was mostly lab oh, okay yeah and so and so living up there with your dogs mm-hmm. and uh and doing that did you ever do any sled dog like did you do any mushing no and I well no I didn't and I easily could have, because that was a very possible thing. I did go out with her on, um, I call it on the bike, but on the, um, on a quad. So okay, people... yeah. Okay. Yeah, quad. <laughs> you call it a bike? Or a bike. A bike, a, a bike yeah. yeah. Bike. ATV, I guess, okay. quad, yeah. yeah. So in, when, before the snow comes and the dogs run in front of that, all hooked up. So I, like, I went on a couple runs with her on that. But what I did instead is I, I um, hooked them up to me on skis, so on, like, cross-country skis, mm-hmm. and then I let them pull me that way, which is I think is funner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of... You had your own little team? Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah, just two of them. That's all I needed for me. Yeah. Uh, like, they pulled me. I think I could do a third one, but one time we were going, so it was, it was not... Um, it was not a rated beaner for a force. It was like one of those cheap little beaners, you know, I'm talking oh, about carabiners yeah. um, that I hook from. So there's a bungee cord. The bungee is probably a good nine feet long. And then your dogs get hooked up um, after that on leads uh, with a pulling harness. And I just had a little clip on my harness that was just like that little carabiner. And so me and my friend went one time. So he had three dogs pulling him on his snowboard. And then I was on, I had just had the two dogs pulling me. And when the, when you have like a couple people going, it's the, the dogs want to run even faster, right? Because they want to chase each other. So that was fun. So we were on our way back and there was like a tree in the middle and I told them to go this way, but they were already going that way. So we wrapped the tree, but like we were going so fast that that little carabino just snapped like completely really? in half. Yeah. Yeah. It just like broke completely, which was good because nobody, it's a big bungee. So ideally they wouldn't get shocked by the stop anyway, but that way they kept running and I could just glide to a stop as opposed to being jolted. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that would hurt. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, and especially yeah, with big skis on, like you're just clumsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're not so agile. No, not in those. Not when you're gonna go in the air. Yeah. So how long did you spend up there? Um, I was there for a year. Okay. Yeah. So not very long. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you did get that one one winter then. Yeah, or, yeah. And so, and it's dark. Yeah. Then, and what was what was that like? Yeah, that? yeah, it's dark. It is, yeah. So because they have 24 hours of dark for a certain period of time. Yeah. And same this summer, they have 24 hours of light. So I find, so I find in the light season when it's all daylight, then you just have a load of energy. Like the sun does give us energy. 
And that was incredible because you literally go all day long. You don't even realize it. And then it's not hard to sleep because you're so active or doing so much stuff that you just pass out at night. And then you hermit a little bit because at the end of the summer, you're really tired from all the activities you just did for three months. And then you emerge and everyone does. And then that's when the potlucks start because it's getting darker. And there's all those activities. I didn't find it bad because I had, I had things to do at my cabin, like to chop the wood. I was busy. So I didn't have time to sit and be affected by the, I think where I was outside so much and getting energy that way. Yeah. I don't think the dark affected me as much as it can for some people. It did affect me in the sense that it was like, yes, it does like make you a bit low, but I was honestly outside all the time regardless. You kept busy. Yeah. And yeah. the moonlight there is bright. They don't get a lot. It's a dry area. They don't get a lot of precipitation because okay. once it falls, it just stays because it's yeah. so cold. So they, it's a very dry place. So it's usually clear skies. Um, like I could see, I used to watch Northern Lights from my outhouse at 5 a.m. Like it's, cool. yeah, yeah. Like they, they just come out um, usually twice a, twice a night you can see them normally. Yeah. And I didn't find it. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that was so bad. It was, I think the cold probably affected me more than the dark. Yeah. In the sense that it was just really cold outside. Especially you have to, you were, you had to work to keep your place warm. It wasn't like you just went inside and kept warm. Yeah. You had to keep the stove going and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I found, I probably found that harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know it, I think it depends. So the dark probably would have affected me more if I didn't have so much to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. Just kept yourself busy. and Yeah. But it does affect some people. So you can get like things that are called SADD, so satellites, but they give you the, whatever the sun gives you that would give you some oh, energy. Vitamin D. Yeah. And the, or the, whatever UV, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know the, which one it is, but uh, that it gives you that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so that's, I mean, that's a crazy experience and, and that's, you know, one one big, huge, crazy experience that you had. And then you mm-hmm. had all these other interesting little things. Mm-hmm. Like you went and did kickboxing in South Africa and mm-hmm. you were on the robotics team and you tried out mechanical engineering in school and you wound up doing physio in the mm-hmm. end of it all. And so what what has drawn you to try these things and to go, I mean, to just decide to drive out to Whitehorse and and Mm. live as a hermit in a cabin for a little bit. And you know, what, what, what makes you do that? What makes you stay active with doing these just interesting things? I think, I think it's just where my passion is, is I like to, I like to, if I travel somewhere, I want to find the most beautiful place there. Mm -hmm. And you can't, like, you can't truly do that if, you're there for a week or two. And I've traveled other places as well since, uh, se- besides the other places I've already told you. And I've spent my week or two there and it's not enough, right? Um, but it's, it's more about experiencing that area and finding, because everywhere, everywhere you go has something spectacular to see your experience. Mm-hmm. And that, that'll be individual to each person. Because like well, my favorite place in the Yukon is not going to be someone else's favorite place in the Yukon yeah. at all. Like there's special places or, um, I, I like to, I think I've always just had a passion to find it where I want to be and where I fit. Um, and I knew that Newfoundland wasn't the place at that time at all. And I don't, I don't think it is where I'll, I'll want to live at all. Um, and that's so, and I'm after the Yukon, I moved back to Newfoundland for a year and that just truly set in stone that I don't want to stay there. Um, and then Calgary has this mountain access, this easy access for travel as well. Um, and I think I like to get my travel fix in, which is an I, which is why this draws me to Calgary in particular, cause you get lots of sunlight compared to a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you have that good outdoor aspect that you can just jump into close to the city as well. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think it's just for, for whatever reason. And it's, I don't think it's something I can explain, but I just have a passion for nature, a huge passion for nature and a huge passion for finding beautiful places. And that's why it's simple. Yeah. That's awesome. And the, the most beautiful part you were saying up in Whitehorse, what, what's the park called again? So I like Kluwani National Park. Kluwani. Yeah. That, that's my, so in Haynes Junction area, mm-hmm. that's my, that was my favorite place to go. Yeah. Um, and I think I have a lot of favorite places, um, in the Yukon say, 
like, and that's like same as in Newfoundland. There are, everyone should visit there as well because there are extremely beautiful, serene places there to see as well. Um, if you know where to go, and that's the hard part is when you, I, that's the problem. When we go somewhere, we're told of these places to go. And a lot of times they're, they're touristy places. So it's the place that that one person took a picture of that became popular. So everyone goes there, yeah. you know, so it's not, but it's not always the most, it is a beautiful place, but there, there is more and yeah. it's knowing where to go to find those things. And it's, and I like, and yeah, so, um, I don't know what your question was. Just uh, asking about the most beautiful place. Oh, the most beautiful. Oh, Yukon. In the Yukon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Kalani. So, yeah, Kalani National Park, definitely. Yeah. And then um, I really like I really like the Mount Lorne area where I was living as well. Yeah. So last two weeks ago I went up and put my dogs and cats' ashes um, off the side of that because my dog and, cat, dog and cat passed away last year. So that was a really nice experience. So like that, that's like a special place for me as well. So Mount Lauren, yeah. uh, that mountain is, it's, it's a beautiful area. Like there's, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just gorgeous, but it's not one that anyone would know. And it's, and really it's, there's, there's a lot of spectacular places up there, but I think it's where you connect as a person that's awesome. to find those places. Yeah. That's awesome. I, re- I really like that, that idea of going somewhere and seeking out yeah. this beautiful place, right? Instead of just. Just go explore and find and find, yeah. that, find that beauty that's out there because it it is there. We live in a huge country, mm-hmm. huge country with so many beautiful spots mm-hmm. and so many spots that are, you know, nobody ever sees. Yeah, right. And uh, to find those, it's a special experience, right? Mm-hmm. So thank you. For You're welcome. Coming on, thank you for sharing that. I mean, yeah, I, I've heard that you've done some cool stuff, but that's awesome to hear more in depth about the interesting life that you've lived and and the uh and and just the idea of finding that Mm -hmm. beauty wherever you go out in nature and enjoying it so thank you you're welcome